Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Sunday morning. And this is Sunday. So we're talking about faith this morning because traditionally it's Sunday. And traditionally people go into worship houses on Sunday morning. So this morning we're talking about faith and we're talking about does faith guard against depression? And we're going to examine if that is so and if it is, why is that so? Uh, It's Sunday and we're approaching Thanksgiving and as we approach Thanksgiving and approach the holidays, we're finding that people carry on with all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff goes on and all kinds of things are happening around here all of a sudden. (laughs) And uh, we we wanted to, I wanted to talk about it as if it's it's the kind of thing that happens. Does faith guard against depression? It just sucks to be my luck. (laughs) Things just happen as soon as I go on air. (laughs) You'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. You check everything, and as soon as you go on air, something happens. But does faith guard against depression? And one university, Columbia University professor, seems to think so. And I wanted to talk about it because there are some observations that I have made over time, over the years, when I examine people who have faith. Now, what is faith? Faith is a belief system in a higher power, wouldn't you say, right, traditionally? That's what we consider to be faith, a belief system in a higher power where we believe that our higher power uh, tends to protect us and guard against and guard against whatever we, we, we might feel. So how does that happen and, and how does that work? You know, the, the question really we should be asking ourselves is what are the indices? that contribute to that and why does it appear as if why are professors and why are social thinkers convinced that people who have faith do not suffer from depression as the general population most of us are concerned about what we are seeing in today's world we're seeing an advent and an increase in depression by people i mean people are offing themselves people are hurting themselves yesterday i was flicking through my timeline on twitter and I saw where one person was celebrating a whole year without self-harm. So many people are engaging in self-harm that you really have to ask yourself, are the problems that we are facing, the life issues that you and I are facing, are they new? Did people 40 years ago, 50 years ago, even 20 or 30 years ago, did people not experience life issues? Why does it seem that we, if, if we are incapable of coping. And in the last 50 years, we've been using medication as a stopgap. We've been prescribing antidepressants. Let's just agree that antidepressants do not work. Antidepressants are not helping anybody coping with depression. It just occurred to me that uh, that uh, I should be on Facebook, and I don't know why I never thought about it. <laughs> 
but I rarely do Facebook. <laughs> and it just so happened this morning, I was picked it up and was scrolling through my timeline and saw something of interest. But why is it that antidepressants aren't working? Well, it, it's it's a reason why, right? It's a re it's a reason why. Uh, we we need to figure out why antidepressants are not working. Why why does it seem that they're not working? Well, let's examine why. I mean, people have been taking antidepressants up and down the spectrum, and it's not working. It's not helping anybody to cope with their issues. For years, I have said to myself that I'm one of those persons who I don't believe that if I have something going on, I'm not the person to say, well, I'm going to have a drink and it, it makes me feel better. Or am I going to eat, you know, I'm going to eat myself to feel better? Or am I going to smoke to feel better? Or am I going to put stuff up my nose to feel better? I am not that kind of, for me, it, I don't think it would work. I've always looked at it from the perspective that if I'm going, that, you know, taking those things does not solve the problem. What I need is the problem to go away, right? Isn't that, wouldn't you say so? What I need is for the problem to go away. And so what we are finding is that if, for me, if the problem is still going to exist after I have had, uh, after I've had uh, the, the, the pill or the drink, then it seems to me that the problem still exists. Do you see what I'm saying? So for me, depression is not the thing. Taking pills, drinking, smoking. Some people go on a wild binge and just have sex with everybody. That's not me, right? So I'm going to read to you what uh, a Columbia University professor said. Here's what she said, and I'm reading this. She said, According to, a re according to research conducted by Lisa Miller, a professor of clinical psychology at Columbia University Teachers College, a thickening of the brain cortex is associated with spiritual and religious activities. Religious and spiritual activities. Hmm. This study links the protective benefits of spirituality or religion to previous studies that identified large expanses of cortical thickening in specific regions of the brains of adult offspring of families at high risk for major depression. So it seems to me a number of things here. We need to examine and look at ourselves and do a self-examination and look at our family history and see if there is a history of depression. If you have a family member who abused alcohol, chances are depression existed. If you have a family history of violence, chances are depression existed. So we all need to examine ourselves. It's called self-care. It's kind of like identifying a potential thing that could be a problem and taking steps to make sure it doesn't happen to you. So if you know that there is a family history of folks in your family abusing alcohol, don't drink. Understand that depression is a likely component of that and therefore watch yourself, guard your thoughts, Look at how you respond to situations that could be potentially dangerous to see if you are at risk for depression. Because I like what the study says. It says uh, it, large expenses or cortical thinning in specific regions of the brains of adult offspring of families at high risk for major depression. And the reason they said this, a previous study examined, published in September 2011 in the American Journal of Psychiatry, Psychiatry showed 
a 76% decrease in major depression in adults who said they highly valued spirituality or religiosity and whose parents suffered from the disease. In other words, what I'm saying is back in the day when we grew up, in most of us, it's only in contemporary times that we are identifying depression. We all had a family member who either went off to themselves and just drank, 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 or did drugs, 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 or snorted stuff, or injected stuff, or was just off the rails. Nowadays, people cope with taking pills so they can be propped up to go to work. A lot of people today are functionally depressed, meaning they function, they're high-functioning depressives, but they still have moments when they think of harming themselves. They're having issues coping with life issues, and stuff does happen. People, I've been saying it for years. It's like I'm preaching to empty spaces. Nobody ever sits back and thinks. We are a large contributor to what other people go through. People hurt people needlessly. I just saw somebody post something on Facebook, and this is humorous, right? And he said, if you are, uh, you know, if your job is to be the landscape guy and you helped your girlfriend to go through law school, and then one day after she passes the bar, she comes home and tells you that her friends say you are incompatible. He said, just move on. Life happens. <laughs> Don't sit there because she has already accepted it and she's going to leave you anyway because she believes that you're incompatible. People do harmful and hurtful things to people. I'm not talking just about serial killers. Some of us are serial offenders at hurting people, and it contributes to people's demise. People are, you don't know how much you're hurting someone until you realize what you have done. And some of us need to take authority and to take responsibility for our actions. We think we're just going through life, enjoying our lives, but you have touched other people's lives. And when, where you have touched other people's lives, you contribute to their hurt. You should be responsible enough to say, if I'm not going to come into, your, into someone's life and be positive, then I'm not going to join with them. People leave people, and it affects them. So I'm going to talk about that because I want to talk about this family history of depression thing. Because think about it. Let's say you and your, your spouse, your partner, right? You get divorced. Okay, what happens to the children? Somebody in that divorce may not be happy with the outcome of that marriage. Somebody may get depressed. What happens to the children who are observing this? Then when people get divorced, for some reason, men just walk away, right? So if you walk away and women make it hard for men to stay with their children, all of us are culpable, right? The men who walk away from the children because they can't stand the stuff going on with the wife and with the, or the ex-wife now, the children, the, the, the mother of the children. So the, the, the two people use the children to fight, to gain one-upmanship against the other. No, you're not going to have custody of my kids. Well, they're my kids too. Well, sucks to be you. You decided to leave. You can't have custody of my kids. So the back and forth thing and the fighting, guess who it affects? The children. The children are the, are, are the unwitting victims. Guess who pays the price? The children. Those children now grow up 
and they have been clinically depressed from they were teenagers. So watch for it. They're more open today. So they're going to start drinking more. They're going to smoke. They're going to take drugs. So mom has prescription drugs in her medicine chest. Guess who's going to familiarize themselves with that? So now they have grown up with a history of depression. So here comes life. They go to college, right? You would think that they probably went to therapy. So their parents' divorce may have been something that was actioned. But then here comes life, a job loss. Or they themselves experience divorce. What do you think happens? Depression sets in. And it's very easy because it's almost as if the potential had existed and the propensity was there. So naturally, it's, going, it's a natural that they're going to fall into depression. Now, what happens? We have a case of depression. Now, the next generation of kids are born into the same demise. I think, I, I think in a lot of ways, a lot of us are, are, are especially those of us who, who profess faith, we need to start holding and start talking about these things so that people can know. We need to start telling people, stay with your family. If there is no physical violence, no, manifest, no physical violence, no emotional violence, we need to work out the issues. Stop going to divorce court over simple things like he didn't come home on time because he's working, right? Did you tell him to go work, to make a living? Well, he's working. Whatever that is, work it out. Stop fighting with people over little stupid things like they didn't put up the toilet seat or they called their mama too much or they spent too much time at auntie's house. Sit down and work it out. Sometimes you just have to work it out. I've never heard anybody say they've been married for 30 years and it was all hunky-dory all day. It was just sunshine on a cloudy day. No, I've heard them say things like it was hit and miss. I've heard them say things like it was a lot of work. I've heard them say things like we had a trial separation. But in the end, we decided we wanted to stay together. I think we have become a society of microwaves so much that we want everything to happen so quickly that we don't even work at the stuff that is fundamental. I really think we need to get back to understand that family is the base of the society and that if we don't take care of our family, we're going to lose our children. Do you know how many children's lives have been impacted by divorce and separation and who end up in situations that they shouldn't be and how it affects them going forward? We have an ep- Depression is an epidemic because it's causing people to take their own lives. And what they're saying, finally, we're getting the scientific community to accept what some of us have always thought, that having a strong faith-based belief system guards against depression. We may not have had the scientific facts, but what we did know spiritually is that being able to take your problems to a higher power or to meditate and to pray on the problems that you're experiencing and pray about it, that that is what will help us. I know that when I was going through the divorce that happened to me, I know that that what kept me going was my faith. I had, baby, I had nothing else. I kid you not. I had nothing else to hold on to but faith. I had children. I didn't know what I was going to do, where I was going to live. I was losing my house. I lost my job (laughs) in the midst of it because I couldn't go to work. 
<laughs> and after three weeks, they fired me. Imagine you were just beaten up. Your husband is out of the home. <laughs> and then they fire you. What are you going to do? And you have mortgage, car notes, and children to look after. What are you going to do? That's the situation that if I did not have faith to believe that somehow I was going to be okay, I wouldn't have made it. I would have succumbed to the heaviness and the darkness that was surrounding me. It's a fight, people. It's a fight to keep our minds focused. And this is why some people say focus on positive things. It's all psychobabble sometimes when they tell you that, you know, the law of attraction, what you put out is what you get. Baby, if the law of attraction were real, I would have $10 billion in the bank. If the law of attraction would, were real, I wouldn't be single today. I would attract the right person. So that's not true. That's all psychobabble. That's some whitewashed idea, ideology that <laughs> works for people who are white who can go down to Chase Bank and who will write and give them a line of credit just because they're white for some stupid idea, right? And people, meanwhile, people of color who have the real idea have barriers to accessing loans, and that is what causes mass depression in some communities. Do you see what I'm saying? Food for thought, isn't it? Exactly. It's food for thought. So now we, we, we are facing this conundrum. And now we see where we have real issues. And some of you are looking at me. You know me already. You know I'm going to tell the truth. And I'm going to be real. And I'm just going to tell, it, tell you the truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat it because at the end of the day, I need your tithes and offerings to keep my big church going because I have this huge ego and I got to put my name on a big building. And so I'm going to whitewash something and tell you, so you feel good, turn around three times, feel good. And then you walk out. And as soon as you walk out tonight, when the real problems hit, you pick up the bottle or you pick up a bunch of pills. I'm just going to tell you the real truth. We all need faith. We need a belief in something bigger than ourselves. And that is the truth. That's just the basic truth. And without that, you cannot exist. What you will find is that when the problems come, you will know how to cope. Here is the study that is saying how faith guards against depression. Faith gives you hope. If nothing else, it gives you hope that no matter what you're going through, this too shall pass. I can't begin to tell you how many times I had to tell myself that. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what it looks like right now, this too shall pass past. I had to say that over and over and over and over again until I came to the place where I either had to believe it or not. It took a long, long time for things to arrive at a stable platform. But in the interim, I kept believing that something good is going to happen. I have found that anytime I give up on believing in something good, everything goes through the door. I have to guard myself against darkness and depression because depressive thoughts are easy. All you have to do is to look around you all day and say, oh, my God, I'm not getting what I want. I never get what I want. You have to start by listening to how you think. So you have to use the scriptures to counteract the negative thoughts. How did we think we were America? How did we think we were ever going to get anywhere without God? And 50 years later, after all the psychobabble and all the antidepressants that say, you don't need God, you don't need faith, you don't need to be a Christian, look at it. 
that is not excusing the oppressive, repressive ideology that they teach. I'm not into that because recently I went somewhere to preach and women are mistreated in the pulpit. And I've been saying it for years. That's why they don't want me in their churches, because I tell the truth. Women are mistreated. I went somewhere to preach and the man acted like maybe because I'm female. I don't know what his problem was. Right. When I was done, he preached over my sermon for 45 minutes. You know me. I get in and I get the message out. I'm done in 40 minutes. I don't, you know, I'm not there. I'm done. Right? Can do the old, the entire five-fold ministry in 40 minutes. My daughter timed me because I don't, when I start, I just go. You know what I mean? And the man got up afterwards and preached over my sermon. He even gave it his own title. He said, I preach that same sermon. It's called this. It's called that. I kid you not. And he said, but she, you said this, but I would have said this. I kid you not. These are the bully pulpits. So I am not saying to anybody that you shouldn't go into a church because they mistreat women. Women are derided and that contributed a lot to people walking away from it. The environment and the atmosphere was too oppressive. It didn't leave anywhere for the individual to feel as if there's some contribution or there's something in here that appeals to me. They would take up the scriptures and read to you the Old Testament. And they forgot that the New Testament paints the picture of grace. Do you understand what I'm saying? They would pick up the Bible and they would use it to hammer you down. That was before grace. The whole thing, you see, the Bible says clearly that we who remain today, right, we have the benefits of both the old and the new. So if you don't believe the old, go to the new for grace. But if you read the new, it's going to tell you about what used to happen in the Old Testament. So now you have the complete picture. They don't preach it like that. They use it and hammer people and hammer you. So people walk away from the very thing that would help us cope with the issues of life. My friends. The truth is, we're all going to have issues in life. Whether you are black, you're going to have issues. You're, if you're black, your issues are compounded by the advent of racism, institutionalized, endemic racism that makes people's lives uncomfortable. It's oppressive economics, right? If you are white, you're going to have issues. Because if you're poor white, then you think that only the rich whites get it, so you're going to resent people who get it. If you're Hispanic, you're going to feel like they're going to call you rapists every day. They're going to call your family members rapists, despite the fact that you're a third-generation American. So everybody is going to have issues. And sometimes the person who has the microphone in the pulpit is a person. They come with their own prejudices and biases. So they're going to expose perspectives based on how they interpret it. So you might be sitting there listening to it and you're like, well, that does not jab with how I feel. Find yourself. This is why God created the internet. So you find, you land on someone like me who you, whether you are black, white, bang, you're from Bangladesh or you're from Boston, you're going to identify in something that I say. Somebody was saying to me recently that I should uh, come and join their church. I said, I don't join churches because <laughs> you're, you're going to put me out. Because I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to say this is what it's supposed to be. And they don't like that. They want it patty covered. We can't cover it up anymore. Because it has exploded. People have issues. People have issues coping with the issues of life. 
And when they have issues coping with the issues of life, they turn to substances. And when it's not substances, they turn to promiscuity. They turn to sexual activity to make them feel better about what they did. Do you hear what I'm saying? So now we have this conundrum. So now we have the proof. We have the definitive scientific proof that spirituality and faith guards against depression. No, are you going to go believe? Is, there, is, is that convincing enough for you? Because what it does is it gives you hope. Now, we always kind of knew this, but the scientists were telling us that you don't need to believe in God, that things happen. Of course, things happen. They want you to believe in the Big Bang Theory, like the earth just formed out of nothing. And the rest of us are just sitting there. So nobody's watching over that? Because you and I are sitting there like the Big Bang Theory. So who is watching over it? What if it didn't happen? Was there an alternative? <laughs> right? I don't try to convince anybody about my belief in God or my Christianity. I don't have to. You know what I do? I just live it out. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm a human being. I have issues. I have issues sometimes with, with the belief that I have that why is it not working my way? Why am I not getting what I want no matter how hard I try? I have issues. But at the end of the day, I still live in hope. Do you understand? When I, when I left Orlando, Florida, let me just put this into perspective for you, just so you know, because sometimes you think you're the only person going through when I left Orlando, Florida, I left a house that was almost 4,000 square feet with a three-car garage in behind a gated community. That same house is still on the market today. I believe it's for $470,000, right? Right? Okay. And that with a swimming pool, with a pool in the backyard. Not a pool table, a swimming pool, right? I had someone who did my pool and who did my landscaping. Because you couldn't just, you have to pay somebody to do your landscaping. Because it has to be just so. I had an interior decorator because the, the fittings in the house had to be just so. Right? And I ran away from that and went to Detroit to live in my mother's house. 900 square feet. You know what was 900 square feet in the house where I lived? The master bedroom closet. In my, the master bedroom closet could hold a twin size bed. Hello. So when I came to Detroit, I was 38. For the first time in my adult life, I found myself without my own home. I actually counted the years. I'd been on my own since I was 16. And for the first time in my life, in my adult life, between that time and 30, I found myself without my own home. I had to live in someone else's house. That was not fun for me. Faith gave me hope. Faith came to my rescue and gave me hope. I had two children, one of whom was 15 months old. She was a baby. I kept looking at her wondering, what was I going to do? How am I going to live? My situation is not unique. There are plenty of people who find themselves in that. What do you think happens when we fire people? When they have to go home and they have to confront their family knowing that they're the provider and there's no money that's going to come in to pay the bills. What do you think happens to people? People are heartless out here. People fire people for nothing. Have you thought about what that person is going to do because you just had a bad hair day or you just felt like 
you should fire them. And it's a joke. There was a, a shooting, a mass shooting. I think it was earlier this year or last year in, Mar- in somewhere in Maryland. And the guy went back to the factory. The shooter went back to the factory where he had worked. And what he described was that they, they, uh, the, the persons who fired him, they laughed. They stood around in a circle and were laughing like it's a joke. You're joking with people's lives. The same people who gave away mortgages, knowing, making money off it, knowing that people couldn't pay these mortgages because they were going to escalate the fees. So all of a sudden, your mortgage payment went from $400 to $1,200. They knew what they were doing, and they, had, they laughed. It was nothing. You're playing with people's lives, right? Companies just make unilateral decisions. It's all about the bottom line. You look at how much the typical CEO makes. I was reading something yesterday on Twitter that the CEO of McDonald's, how much money he makes, it would take an employee 2,000 years to make the same amount of money. Nobody lives for 2,000 years. So the typical McDonald's employee would have to work 2,000 years to make money the CEO makes. These are the issues of life that you have to live with. People come and people go. Life does not always work out the way you want it. There are disappointments. People sometimes do whatever is uh, conducive for them, whatever is expedient for them, based on their own agendas. They're not always there for you, right? And people do what they want to do. They go where they want to go, right? And these, my friends, are the realities of life. So what are you going to do? You're going to roll up in a corner? And this is where faith comes in. Faith gives you hope. It gives you something to hold on to when you have a belief in something bigger than yourself. Have you ever wondered why people join cults? Have you? Have you?
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.